Oh, it's our favourite time of the day when we get to talk about all of our furry friends. And a big warm welcome. We haven't had him for a couple of weeks. Daniel Carrington, hello. G'day, Charlie. So good to have you back in the Thank studio. Thank you. I am happy to be back. And look, I, I shouldn't be saying this, but you look fabulous. You've been on a very healthy eating <laughs> lifestyle and I'm jealous. I look a bit sporty, don't I? You do. You're, you're <laughs> shrinking and I'm, I'm growing, so you know... <laughs> <laughs> but look, you've got some pretty interesting interviews, not one but two for us today. Well, look, um, it is interesting interviews that I do have lined up. One is about doggy massage and a course that's going to be running locally on doggy massage so you can give your dog a nice, relaxing massage. How's that sound? I, I want to be the dog in this situation. <laughs> so they do love it, though, don't they? Because sometimes I'll just attempt to massage my little pooch's back and he, you know, gets oh, the, gets they the do. thumb up. And but it's also a bonding experience with your pet as well. And there is a technique, I'm, I'm believing. There is a technique and it's been all written down and now people are ready to share it. How's I, that sound? I tell you what, it's the dogs that rule the world, not well, us. So I think so. Well, don't they say, like, dog, if you spell it backwards, God? Yes, it's true. If you're an alien looking down, we pick up their, their yeah. mess after them. They're That's the right. masters. That's we're, right. we're all being fooled. So we're going to do that. And we've got David Tabret in today, and he would be more than happy to answer any of your questions. But next, Daniel Carrington has a very interesting interview for us. He's going to chat to Maggie Sands, and she's going to tell us all about massages. Hold up. I know you excited. Me too. The shoulders are aching. But it's for our pooches. I'll roll over on my back if I get one. <laughs> I'll wag my tail. With, with legs up in the air too. Absolutely. Whatever you want, just give me a massage. <laughs> well, let's listen. Let's listen out to how it's done and, and why it's so good. We've got Maggie, Maggie Sands on the line and she has 35 years natural medicine experience. She's also a life member at the Australian Traditional Medicine Society. She's the principal of the School of Integrated Body Therapy and Lake Spa Wellness Centre at Charm. Haven, and she runs the courses. Maggie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Now, we do love getting a massage for ourselves, as, as Charlie has been <laughs> talking about, and it's like, wow, well, get those shoulders, the neck, the back mm. uh, massage. But should we consider massages for our dogs, and is this important for them? Well, look, like, like humans, dogs actually have muscular problems throughout their life. Some are minor, some are more serious. Dogs suffer pain and discomfort just like we do, and they also suffer from stress and anxiety. Mm. So in regards to those kind of factors that contribute to um, them feeling that in order to give a massage, what can be the benefits for dogs getting a massage? Well, look, it's not unsimilar to what we might experience as humans when we get a massage, but look, this is um, serious massage for dogs with problems. So often dogs have an injury or they have a congenital problem, um, but also this massage can be used for health and well-being and just maintaining the dog's health. But also I think it's important that we realise dogs are under stress and anxiety and um, the massage can help relieve that as well. And I, I guess when we think about massage for ourselves and would be the same with dogs, you wouldn't just do it once. You would maybe do it on a regular basis? Well, look, it depends on the dog and it depends on the dog's owner. Um, if it's a show dog or a dog that's competing, it may be beneficial for them to have a more regular massage. Yeah. But some people just treat their dog once a year or once every six months. So it actually depends on the condition of the dog. A lot of older dogs can benefit from more regular massage because they get arthritis and other similar problems just as we do. 
Now, your school is running canine massage courses. So who would benefit from doing a canine massage course? Well, look, we've been running human courses for 31 years. We started running canine courses about eight years ago. It's a wide variety of people that do the training. We have people that race greyhounds and we also have grandmothers that have a dog that has arthritis. So really it's for anybody with a passion or an interest in dogs and in particular assisting dogs to be well and those that are suffering with some sort of you know, pain and discomfort. Maggie, when I massage my dog, I can feel him flexing, so his back's obviously sore. Perhaps I should do the course because maybe I'm making the problem worse. Could I possibly be compounding that or or is it a good thing that he's doing that? Well, look, I don't know what sort of dog you have or the relationship you have with your dog, but it's not normal for a dog to be contracting. So if I was um, touching a part of your body where you were feeling pain you'd probably do the same yeah, thing it's definitely so during pain. the yeah during the course you're actually taught to assess mm. particularly with a gait analysis so dogs have four, four legs as we all know but there's so much that can go wrong for them and the difficulty with dogs is they can't actually tell you in words what they're suffering but you can learn from that reaction the dog is showing you something so you know what? I probably wouldn't be touching the dog until he had an assessment. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and Maggie, just touching on what you were saying in terms of topics, what are the topics that the course will cover? Well, look, I think it's really important to understand this is a serious course. Mm. It's not for relaxation. It's remedial massage for dogs. It's an introduction to remedial massage. So we cover many many things but I'll just go through a few we look at contraindications and that means when you do not massage a dog we look at warning signs you will learn to take a case history and to create a treatment plan so we learn about dogs behavior we also learn about the canine anatomy and physiology we do stretching we look at hygiene we look at exercise and a lot of other things but the main thing is that this is a hands-on program and we actually learn how to work with dogs' muscles, right? A lot of it is myofascial release work and stretching. And look, one of my favourite sayings is that dogs make much better clients than humans because they know intuitively when you're trying to help them. And once you've gained their trust, they'll actually work with you. So it sounds also like uh, it's a course that if I was interested in, in dogs or getting into the health um, aspect of the dogs that I could even run a, a business in terms of doing this massage course and then uh, putting an ad up somewhere and saying I massage dogs. Is that true? Well, look, look, there's a there's a lot to learn, but everybody starts somewhere. We actually have quite a few successful graduates from this course that have done just that. So they've specialised in show dogs or in racing dogs, or they have their own niche. But yes, that is absolutely possible. And um, that's the way we're treating the students, as if they want to actually derive an income and start a small business from it. Where and when is the horse, uh, the course held? I should say, not the horse, <laughs> the course held. <laughs> All right, well, look, we've got two, two venues coming up. One starts in a few weeks, and that one's at Charm Haven on the Central Coast. It runs for four days between the 21st and the 24th of April. Yeah. So that, one's, that one will catch people from Newcastle, Maitland, but we also have people that come from overseas to that course because it's so unique. Mm-hmm. The second course is at Caloundra, Sunshine Coast of Queensland, 
and that was one is on the 11th to the 14th of June. So Charmhaven in Caloundra. Okay. Now, if someone wants to know, um, gets a bit more information on the course, and if they're interested, can you give us a website or Facebook page that they can look up? Look, I'll give you the school website because there's lots of really good doggy massage photos on mm. there. It's www.massageschool, one word, .com.au. Okay. Thank you very much, Maggie. That's wonderful. Um, and all the best success for the course and uh, with all the students that are coming to do it. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for having me on the program. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Sarah. Good on you, Maggie. It's 26 past 12. You are with us with Pet Chat. And we've also got David Tabret here typing away there busily on his iPad. But what are you covering off today, David? What are we looking at? I was just playing Sudoku. <laughs> of course oh. you were. <laughs> Look, uh, today I wanted to talk about breathing difficulties and how to recognise them okay, good in one. your pet. Because I think that's the first thing for most people is how do you actually notice that your pet has a breathing difficulty and it sounds a bit simple but it can be a little bit tricky. Michelle on the line look it's a busy time for you you're moving. That's right yes I'm uh, just wanting to know what would be the best way of uh, settling my cats into a new house I've got a couple of very timid cats mm. and they stress out you know if somebody comes to the door they'll run because it's a quiet house here how can I makes them adjust better to moving to, uh, to another house because I really believe it's going to be a stressful time. Well, I think you're right there with your suspicions, Michelle. Um, so when's the planned move? Uh, about six weeks. Oh, excellent. Okay, well, you've given yourself plenty of time and that's really good that you're thinking about your pets and their state of mind because it can be quite anxious. I mean, it's certainly uh, anxious uh, for people, so why wouldn't it be for your pets? Um, do you have any dogs or just cats? Yes, I, I have a Pomeranian, but she, I think she'll be pretty good. She'll probably yeah. pretty, be pretty good as, as long as she's with you and yeah. uh, food and bedding is supplied. Because um, <laughs> <Yep. laughs> dog, dogs are pretty straightforward. But uh, as you identified, probably the cats are a little more challenging. And they really do like their home territory. Um, so we need to transfer what they feel when they're in their current home into the new place. And there's a number of ways that you can do that. Now, sometimes what people do is they'll actually um, uh, send them off to a boarding cattery for a few days because oftentimes if there's, you know, a lot of fuss and moving and the doors are open and um, people coming in and out, moving stuff in and out, and you're worried that the cat could run away in that time. And so I think, you know, you'd have to judge for yourself if that's a safety issue then that's not a bad approach as well but if you feel comfortable that you can move them successfully without that risk of them running away then um, we need to make sure they've got um, say cat carry cages that they're comfortable in um, we need to make sure that they've got plenty of litter trays um, they're less responsive to food as a, as a way to get them calm but um Obviously, there'll be if they have a certain place that they sleep or something, and it could be on a bed or in a cupboard. Then, you know, trying to recreate that environment for them is very helpful. The other thing that really works well in this circumstance, and probably is, I would say, almost 100% needed, is to use a product called Feliway. And what that is is a it's a calming pheromone for your cat. So, uh, if you spray it in your current house. And then when you spray it in the new house, when they go from one to the other, it'll be like, oh, this smells like the other place and that's quite calming. And so, 
you know, you'll, they'll be able to shift in with little in the way of anxiety. Oh, right. And what was that product called? Fell Away, was Fe- it? Yes, Fell Away. It's, it's a, a pheromone protein that comes from, you know, when cats actually uh, rub their face on you, they've got glands on the side of their face that secrete yep. this pheromone. And it's a very calming thing. So F-E-L-I-W-A-Y. Um, it comes as a spray or a diffuser. In your case, I would say use the spray because that's actually, you need to transfer it from one to the other. Um, and you just simply spray one spray on a doorway or maybe on a piece of furniture. You don't have to coat the house in it. It um, you, you can't smell it, but your cat certainly can. Okay, then well, we'll try that. All righty. Good luck okay. with that. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Some really good tips there, and we're going to go now to Sharon. Sharon, are you there? Hello, Sharon. Yeah, I think David at reception still has her there. You've got to let this, the line flash, David, so we'll come back be, to her. He might be doing my job. <laughs> he could be. Well, he could be giving <laughs> advice off the air. Well, that's, <laughs> it's the wrong David. He's been listening for years. He knows what we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Look, we are taking your calls, 49216216. Please give us a call. We'll answer all your questions today on Pet Chat to NURFM. And we've got Lorraine Bonnells Bay. You've got a, a question or a comment for David Tabret today. Yes, David, I was listening to you about the cat thing when you move house. And I always found that if I use the cat carrier... I put it on its side and made like a bed mm. prior, weeks prior before, so that when they're in the new place, they'll run in there and that will be the home that's never changed. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Some cats are really averse to the cat carrier because usually it signifies they're going to the vet. So um, if you can turn it into like their bed, then it becomes a familiar place, as you said, and that goes from one house to the other. So. Hence, the cat's going to feel quite calm in that environment. And it's really just knowing your own cat and how they respond um, before you can go ahead with that. But I think that's great advice and a really good comment. Thanks very much, Lorraine. And we've got Sharon back now. Sharon, I can relate to this. Every time you try and uh, walk your dog, they just lie down. Uh, yeah. Um, she's an eight-year-old golden retriever and we've been walking most of her life. And all of a sudden, she's now laying down. It looks like she's got to try and get her belly as cold as possible on the wettest grass. Mm. And the legs at the back go out like a frog's legs. Okay. Now, presumably, this isn't at the end of, like, a 15-kilometre walk. <laughs> this no, is pretty no. pretty early on in the... Yeah, and, uh, like, 6 a.m., not, not really hot through the day or anything like that. Mm. Um. Generally, if you've got a pattern where your dog has been, you know, quite comfortable walking and so on, and and then there's a change in behaviour, I would be looking for a physical problem to cause that. And some dogs, particularly if they start to experience a little twinge of pain or there might be, you know, early onset of arthritis or degenerative joint disease, they may just decide, look, I've just gone as far as I need to and um, I'm going to lay down here. The way that we're laying may signify a problem in terms of you're saying the belly on the ground, but that's um, like a lot of dogs will do that, not necessarily because they're feeling hot. It's just the most comfortable position. This happens right at the beginning when you put the lead on, it's time for a walk. No, no. Usually we're 20, 30 minutes into the walk and then then she'll stop. Yeah, Because she's just had enough. Well, but she's had, if she's had a history of, you know, good walking and 
then mm-hmm. and she's at an age you know she's not old but she's middle aged and um, particularly like Labradors are a breed that do get a higher incidence of um, degenerative joint disease and can develop osteoarthritis so I think it'd be worth checking it may be very early in that uh, case that uh, there's not a lot of joint damage but certainly there could be some twinges of pain somewhere so it's worth um, when this happens is probably checking all her joints flexing you know up and down with her feet and her, her knees and hips and just seeing if there's areas that she resists and I'd say get her checked out at your vet because uh, it's probably a, the time of life where we see some of these things start to play a role there's a lot of therapies involved you know we've heard about massage today which could be very helpful with uh, some of these musculoskeletal problems and we do know that um, we've got medications we can use there's um, what we call nutraceuticals which are dietary supplements that help restore uh, cartilage in damaged joints and even looking at things like stem cell therapy which can help to um, improve or even reverse some of these early changes so there's a lot of options but I think we need to uh, get get a good veterinary examination and find out where the problem is and then we can direct some treatment appropriately. Taking your calls today for Pet Chat, 49216216. Jenny's in Wall's End. Now, we were just discussing moving and what to do with cats. Have you got a specific question for David? Um, no, I haven't, but um, just a suggestion. What I did when I moved from the Central Coast to Newcastle, mm. I wrapped her in my dressing gown. No cat carrier, no nothing, but she was the last thing that I moved. And then what happened, I just moved her at night time, wrapped her in my arms, sat her in the front seat, and she was perfect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then when I brought her to her new home, showed her where her toilet was, told her where her food was, I've had no problems. Just and there you go. And, yeah. I, I think that idea of moving her in the evening, and it's actually really clever because, um, you know, a lot of cats, they, they want to come in and settle down and... Uh, obviously, some cats are quite the opposite. Night times when they go, oh, oh I want to run around. But um, if your cat is a is a quite a homely cat, then that's a really good idea, I think, because uh, there's a trigger, isn't there? A behavioural trigger is, well, it's night time, so I wouldn't be running around outside. I'm going to be inside, lying on the mm. lounge or the bed, which is what she did. So mm, yeah. very and clever. Jenny, did, um, was she predominantly an indoor cat? Well, she is an indoor cat. Yes, mm. she is, but. Mm. By moving her at night time, she couldn't actually see the fast um, trees and scenery go past her. So all she wanted to do was basically just snuggle into me and just enjoy the trip. Mm. There you go. That's a bit special. Yeah. Uh, She is. (laughs) And also, um, you you said something about dog massage. Well, I actually massage her. Her paws, her legs, her back, her neck, and she absolutely... Just adores it. <laughs> she sounds like one spoiled kitten. I like this. Taking oh, your lovely. calls today, 49216216. When we come back, we're going to have a little chat about dog fashion parade. I find it hard enough to get myself presentable, let alone, you know, my dog. But there are people out there that live for this, isn't there, Debbie? Oh, yeah, they roam the country <laughs> looking through all the different fashion parades they can attend on a week-by-week basis. It happens. Really? It happens, yeah. 
Oh, we're going to find out about that. It is Pet Chat, and we're having a little look at doggy fashion parades. Yes, they are very popular, and they get very competitive, I believe. Oh, they do. They're just like dog showing gets competitive, and uh, oh, the greyhound racing gets competitive. Anything like this gets competitive. So what do you mean by fashion parade? You're like, can I jump online and find a little skirt for my Maltese, although oh, he's a boy? definitely. All different kinds, too. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of fashions. Look, um... What I wanted to talk about today in terms of the fashion parade is a, is a local fashion parade that's happening in Newcastle on Friday. And what it is, it's Newcastle City Council, through their libraries division, is holding the Newcastle Writers Festival Dog Parade and Book Launch for a Soldier, a Dog and a Boy. And it's from, on Layman Street on Friday from 4pm to 6pm. They're going to have... Obviously, lots of different festivities, stall holders, but we're inviting families to come along and, and have a, and also families with their pets to come along mm. who want to enter the fashion parade. So they'll be judging on the fashion parade and there'll be also owner who looks like a dog, uh, like their dog. <laughs> Rather than like a dog. And and the best tricks. So there's three events with dogs that will be held at, at, at Layman Street on Friday from 4 to 6. And you can enter them and win some great prizes. But also, as a spectator, it it's fantastic fun. to watch. It, it sounds is. fun. I'd yeah. love to take Max to go look at that. I reckon that would be if, a real laugh. If, uh, I just wonder, Danny, if I take my dog and when we, do, we don't have any fashion on, is someone going to run over and hold a blanket over it going, no, no, you've got to have something on. It's, don't turn up naked. How embarrassing <laughs> your, your dog. dog is naked. <laughs> no, but obviously you wouldn't be able to enter that part my of the competition. My dog's quite beautiful just without <laughs> fashion. <laughs> I was just oh, about natural. to say, but you could enter the, you know, look like my oh. dog competition. But oh, I, Danny. I don't know now. Wait, do you have a pug, David? Uh, oh, <laughs> oh yes, I got a bulldog. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Oh, dear. But, yeah, oh, I've got to lose it. some weight, haven't I? You guys no, are too you look kind. Perfect. <laughs> make an effort. Go to attend. It's it's going to be some festivities and some a bit of fun and lots of different mm, stall holders as like, well. Just a like civic fun. park on Layman Street where Newcastle City Library. Take some plastic bags. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Pick, pick, pick up, up after, after your dog. Yeah, yeah. The, ra- the Rangers will be there too. They're <laughs> <laughs> <It's> looking <laughs> to make some money. Uh, we're taking your calls four nine two one six two one six, and we certainly have time to take a few more before we wrap up at one o'clock. <clears> but right now we are looking at breathing difficulties. Now this is mm-hmm. obviously a big issue. Well, I think it's a big issue because people panic when you get problems with your dog breathing, Mm -hmm. and and rightly so. Uh, So it's one of those areas that we are challenged by all the time in our clinical work, and I think that one of the things I run into with most pet owners is that they often don't realise the extent of the problem. Um, The best example I can give is... Uh, very often in dogs that have over-exercised and the, we were saying about p- pugs and bulldogs, they're what we call brachycephalic dogs. They're the sort of dogs, and there are brachycephalic cats, you know, your Persians and Himalayans, who also have um, problems with breathing because their face is pushed in and they've got too much tissue in the back of their throat, so they make that really loud snorting sound. Mm. And I always say that they're the dogs that we can hear them before we see them. Yes. And because I work emergency, I might be in a room and then I'll hear this noise out the front of this dog sort of <laughs> coming in through the door. And then you go, oh, hang on, that's and I just go, me. And that's, yeah, <laughs> that's more like a pig. <laughs> well, that's, that's what they sound like. And so actually uh, they're the ones that we worry about a lot. Um, and dogs, so dogs that you can hear before you see them uh, have this what we term upper airway syndrome. 
where they're breathing in and that's what's causing the noise. Um, we also recognise dogs that have uh, a wheeze, like an asthma, um, and that occurs in dogs and cats with bronchitis and bronchial disease, so the lower airways. Dogs that get pneumonia have a very funny pattern and that's where it can be a bit difficult for people to really pick it up. Um, and they're dogs that just look like they're not doing quite well and if they go to move, they're very reluctant to move. They're just really having problems getting air in and out altogether um, and they'll, they won't be having problems more on the inspiratory side or the expiratory side. It's actually all through their breathing. Then there's another group of dogs that actually get, and cats I should say, also get um, problems in the chest wall or around the lung in what we term the pleural space. And those animals, they look like if they move, they're about to die. And I have to tell you, literally, they can do that. Wow. So anything with breathing problems, we're very concerned uh, that you seek veterinary attention quickly and without stress and uh, I understand a lot of pets may be stressed traveling to the vets but you know that's where they need to be oftentimes we'll have to place an airway tube we'll have to give them oxygen we may give them sedation to help them breathe we'll work all those details out but we need you as an owner just to be alert to these problems as I said sometimes you hear them but sometimes they're sort of silent and not making any noise yeah. and you worry about them as well. So get them there straight away. Mm. Really good advice. Having a quick look at the weather thanks to our sponsor, Snap Freeze Air Conditioning. Remaining fine and beautiful outside. The sun's shining. It's a gorgeous temperature. It's currently 26 degrees. And we do have time for more calls, 49216216. Donna in Newcastle, you've got a question about your dog. Hi. Um, it's actually not my dog. It's an, it's um, somebody I clean for's dog. Mm-hmm. What can we help um, you with? It's a bit of a delicate situation because over the last 12 months, when I turn up to clean, I noticed that this dog's just going downhill and downhill. And it's just been... See, the, tr the truth is that they've had a baby and, and I've seen the dog just, it's just going downhill and being neglected. Okay. Anyway, I turned up today and it's... Honestly, I feel so sorry for this dog because it's crying... It's walk, it's walking really funny, like it's got arthritis or something like that. Mm. And and where do I stand as a, you know, I don't want to butt into these people's lives, but this, this is an issue. I'm feeling really terrible. I'm here cleaning today, and I feel really terrible. You can tell you sound very upset by the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. and and Donna, look, it's been crying, walking around the backyard. Like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Do I just walk away and ignore it? Cause, mm. Well, I think that, you know, you've taken the first step and that's important and, and obviously caring and enough to to investigate a little bit further and try and find out, you know, what could be done in this circumstance. And it's not that an, it's not that uncommon a problem, I have to say. Um, and understandably, you know, with the arrival of uh, a child in a house uh, or any change of life circumstances and household circumstances can be challenging. And very often those responsibilities associated with caring for a pet uh, can seem to go by the wayside as other things overtake us. So, Yeah, plus they work, they're, they're doctors, so they work full-time, they're never home. I mean, that's the thing, they're doctors. I'm really annoyed that they're not opening their eyes. Yeah, so, so I well, guess you've got to be responsible as a pet owner, that's regardless. Right. Well, 
exactly. And I think we have to actually look at what can be done. And so sometimes it's just, you know, we don't always see what's in front of us. So my advice would be in terms of just having a gentle conversation about, you know, how you could help. Hey, I noticed this is going on and, uh, you know, maybe we could talk to someone else about it. I'm sure that there's uh, some other ways that you can help in just introducing the subject. I wouldn't really sort of be pushing any way but I'd certainly just say, hey, I notice this is going on. Um, you know, did you think about um, should we talk to the vet about it, or is there someone else who can come and look after him while you guys have got your hands full? Um, and I think that really would be helpful. There for There is them. also companies out there who do uh, come and look after your pet, walk it on a daily basis and so forth. And there is also businesses out there who do doggy daycare mm. and they'll even come and pick up your dog in the morning and then they'll bring it back in the afternoon. And while it's at doggy daycare, it can get bathed, it can get exercised, it plays with other kids. So there's a lot of different avenues for people who do have a change in their environment at home who might be working a lot of got a new child that for the time being, till that routine settled down, they need some help in looking after their yeah. pet. Yeah, and I think... I think just introducing the idea is probably the first step, Donna, yeah. really just to yeah. get the ball rolling and then just let them make some decisions about it um, because, you know, they've probably just got a lot of other stuff going on and that's the important thing is you've raised that and I think that's what you need to do. Good on Donna for caring and you never know, maybe there is something going on that they are currently investigating. It Absolutely. might be good to have the yep. conversation. Uh, look, it is four to one. We better do our pet of the week and this week we are introducing Mambo. Now, he's a sweet nine-month-old Jack Russell Terrier cross Staffy. So, David, he's going to have a bit of energy, right? This little guy, well. nine months old, Jack Russell staff, Staffy. Uh, uh, <laughs> he going to be a busy little beaver. I'm, I'm impressed by the Jack Russell cross Staffy. I That's, was impressed too. I went, oh. That was personality plus right there. I reckon. Look, he does love walking. He loves chasing the bulls. He loves tug-of-war games. Um, and he is practising his swimming. Good on you, Mambo. And apparently he's doing very well and building confidence daily. So he'd be a really fun dog if you're active. You know, you could take him swimming. You could take him on walks. Um, he does leave an, lead an active lifestyle, if, as we said. So he needs a fence. Any dog does. Um, and he loves playing with his four foster brothers. So it's not a problem being around other dogs. And if you would like more information, then please contact his foster carer, Leah. Um, and you can do that through the Dog Rescue uh, website. And that is Dog Rescue Newcastle. Dot com, or, of course, as always, jump onto our 2NURFM website, go to Lifestyle Shows and then head to our pet chat because you can see pictures of him and he's a gorgeous little boy. I think that's just about all we've got time for today, didn't it, Fly? Has done, yeah. It's absolutely. gone very quick yeah. and we're wrapped up. Too much fun. Are you going to be there at the, um, at the Fashion Parade? Oh, look, I'm thinking of when is it? Should, it's on, on Friday. Friday, Friday from 4pm, Layman Street. I love how you I'll only just there. mentioned it and Baby Brain's already forgotten. <laughs> hey, you know, I might take Max. It could be a bit of fun. A bit of fun. I'll be there and so will Dr Stabler. Oh, well, how can I say okay. no to that?